Good afternoon, everybody. It's the afternoon and not the evening. In fact, it's 3 p.m. on a Thursday, uh, Eastern Standard Time. We're on a little bit of an untraditional schedule, but it's uh, your tr two traditional hosts for the Mocha Live <laughs> podcast. My name is Max Cohen. Joining me as he does every week is Colborne Bell, founder of the Museum of Crypto Art. What's up, Colborne? How are we doing? I'm doing wonderful, Max. It's great to be back. Uh, I'm happy to have you back. I'm happy to be back myself. Um, behind Colborn is one of uh, my favorite pieces from our Genesis collection. This is Fragmented Iridescence by our very own Julian Brangold, the wonderful artist and our programming director. So if anybody wants to look into his work or just stare deeply at it for the next 45 minutes or so, now's your chance. Um, I am currently in New York where I live, um, but where the entire crypto art world has kind of been descending or very large chunks of it have been descending for NFT NYC. Colborn, you were only in um, on Tuesday and only for a couple of hours. I was wondering, you know, how was your day? Was it jam-packed? Was it slammed? <laughs> I feel like you're always like you, you know what, in different directions. No, I had this like, I had two terrible omens in, in the morning. <laughs> and uh, Like a I black saw, cat, like a broken mirror? I, I saw, I kid you not, you nailed them both. I saw, but it was, I saw, unfortunately, a cat that had been hit by a car. Uh, and then right behind it was a broken mirror on the side of the road. Um, and Damn. those omens <laughs> kind of proved to be true. It was just one of those days where things didn't really link up, but I was super happy to be there. And I saw a lot of cool, uh, familiar faces, but it was as NFT NYC is too quick, too fast, really without like the, the depth and intent that I'm, I'm looking for these days. Yeah. Heard. I remember the last one, um, you know, last June, I had only been doing this for a couple of months at that point. And so I was very much like a hanger on to you and to Shivani and kind of just going where you guys went because I didn't really know what was going on and having the opportunity to kind of go out on my own um, this time around because I have, you know, some more substantial relationships of my own um, has been just absolutely stressful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and what an incredible uh, responsibility uh, that always ends in feeling uh, like a shitty friend um, and not spending enough time with a lot of people I deeply care about. So I sympathize with your plight. You're up in uh, in Kingston at the moment preparing for some mocha people, for a lot of people to come hang out. You excited? Yeah, I'm super excited. We're going to have such a fun dinner weekend. Uh, this is kind of, I guess, the first time that I've really opened up this church to the community um Coburn and, lives in a church for what it's worth yeah and we will give uh a little something back as we do um and you know let people know that the space is open and it's an invitation for them to come just kind of participate in its ongoing build hell yeah um well it's gonna be wonderful but we're not going to talk about that this week maybe we'll get into it more next week afterwards um but we kind of wanted to talk about nft nyc just because it's such an it seems like it is kind of the like er convention. Um, it seems like people are a little bit more willing to travel from all these different diff disparate parts of the world to come here as opposed to some of the other events. It's at least in this like upper echelon in terms of importance of events. Um, but we wanted to talk about it over a couple of weeks this week, kind of do a more ground up approach to NFT NYC. You know, we've been here, we've been seeing things boots on the ground. And then next week we're going to come back, have a more, I don't know, integrated approach to like what we kind of saw and, and, and thought about afterwards. But uh, I wanted to start out with something that was a big deal during the last NFT NYC and has kind of returned, which is the Times Square paradigm. Mm -hmm. um, 
where uh, artists, I, I think rightly or, or sensibly, um, who are having works displayed on these giant screens uh, in Times Square are pretty amped about that. Um, and I think on the surface level, that's pretty easy to, to sort through. Um, but I wanted to invoke a tweet from Untitled XYZ, uh, the metaverse architect, um, that kind of captures some thoughts of mine about this in a, in a pretty, in a deeper way. And the, the tweet is, quote, Times Square is cool, but what about a public art program to take crypto-fueled creativity into real neighborhoods to make lasting impact instead of feeding into the soulless plastic centerpiece of global consumerism? Is this the adoption that we really want? And I think that's a really prescient point. Um, and it was something that I think was bubbling into the surface of the last NFT NYC. And this year, I think, is, I know, exaggerated a bit more. Um, Untitled specifically did something very interesting years ago um, at a place called Herbert Von King Park uh, in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, uh, not too far from where I live, not exactly like a heavily trafficked touristy part of New York. Um, but Untitled and his business partner, a gentleman named Michael Lee, um, used uh, blockchain funding off of a blockchain-based blog site called Steemit uh, to install an installation in this park, you know, with planters and benches and, you know, beautification instruments. It was the first public design project funded entirely through cryptocurrency. It's very interesting. And it's still there from what I understand. And I think that that's a really incredible paradigm to have something that begins in like the cryptosphere, but then has this permanent long-standing effect in the you know, in individual communities, right? And I think the reason I thought about that in regards to Untitled's tweet about Times Square is that it's so transient, right? And I keep seeing artists saying, you know, if anybody sees my artwork, it'll be, you know, on this screen from this time, please take a picture and send it to me. Like it, it literally is there for just moments, right? Um, you know, it's hardly even a curation. It's hardly even an exhibition. Um, it's up for, for moments and, you know, days at best, but usually like seconds. So again, I guess my question to you, Colborn, is A, if you have any thoughts on that of your own, and then um, why do you think there hasn't been more of an attempt to create permanent or longer lasting like community consequences using crypto art as the driver? Why do you, well, why do you think this emphasis on kind of transient display? It's, it's, a, it's a super good question. There's, there's a lot to talk about. I think it relates to kind of like the Sotheby's effect that we dove into a couple episodes back, right? Mm -hmm. There is just like incredible name and brand recognition with something like Times Square. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you are, are outside of New York, if you've never visited New York, you know, you know Times Square. So you think this is an incredible place to like showcase and everybody is going to see it. Um, and then, you know, the second anybody goes to Times Square, they're like, what? actually is this place you know it's uh -huh. i don't know it's you know i spent a lot of time in new york i did not spend a lot of time in times square um naturally yeah and that's because i think uh untitled hit it on the head right the soulless plastic centerpiece of global consumerism mm -hmm. these are billboards right these are meant to be like eye-catching billboards i think we've been dealing with similar things like art for the timeline how are you supposed to capture people's attention in these microseconds is is that all this art is good for is that what we're trying to do here uh you know i want to definitely highlight uh something that justin aversano did with i believe it's save art space uh mm -hmm. and that was like maybe two NFT NYCs ago, or, or maybe even more in which, you know, they were using different places, public billboard space, 
mm -hmm. um, to kind of share and showcase this art. And, and that's all nice and well, but I think in general, we, we suffer from a, a lack of coordination. And, you know, this is something that you just can pay for easily and send files and it's kind of done. But I think, you know, this effect will just continue to, to decrease and decrease. And it really does continue to feel like the arts community is continuing to separate from kind of this broader flagship event. Sure. Yeah. I noticed you, um, you had mentioned something about this the other day. Do you want to go into that in a little bit more detail, the kind of schisming that you're noticing? Um, like whether within the art world or just in of the art world from crypto? Well, I think it's, you know, I, I think by proxy now of this being quite popular for two years, three years, what was super nice to me and why I didn't really feel like I needed to, to spend so much time there this year is that uh, everybody is like already friends, <laughs> you know, like every, everybody, like the, the good people have found each other and they're doing incredible things. Mm -hmm. Like the events that Shivani hosted at the bathhouse with Maria Paula, just to see the turnout there and kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. what would be considered more of the arts crowd um, mm -hmm. was, was phenomenal. Um, and then to go to a place like Noya House mm -hmm. where we both were and to have like a panel of that caliber with, with like eight people speaking and, uh, you know, I was just blown away by how you had like making it 24 seven, you know, and like all being represented. And then you had operator who used to be in Berlin and you had like Julian from Argentina and everybody's just, and you know, Maria who used to be in Berlin and uh, it's it just like mm -hmm. everybody from all over, just so friendly. It's so nice. So like looking for connection too. I, I think um, I tend towards the socially anxious. Um, and this year I kind of realized that everyone here is socially yeah. anxious. And I don't know if that's an artist thing or a crypto artist thing, or just the fact that all of us spend 95% of our lives behind the screen and that in person we're a little paralyzed, but keeping that in mind really helped me, I feel like be a little bit <laughs> friendlier. Um, but you, you pose an interesting and I think a really important question, which is, what do we do next with all of these connections and all these good people? Right. Cause I think that that's kind of hit the nail on the head. And I do feel uh, as I think we've spoken about, and as I think we would agree on that we're kind of shifting into a, a different epoch of crypto art. It seems like a lot of the power structures are kind of faltering that have been there. People are kind of restless. I think for just newness, new collectors, new aesthetics, new marketplaces, you know, I, I think kind of across the board, there is just a, a restlessness with the status quo. And maybe that's just infected by kind of the larger socioeconomic world and, you know, everything is kind of in the same place. So I don't want to say that this is necessarily different, but um, it seems like, like you said, all of these connections are here, right? Over the last two or three years, it seems like most of the people who are going to be involved with good projects or be involved with good people have found their way to them and are here because they really believe and are here because they have some kind of ingenuity or like me are totally here by accident and are propped up on stilts. Um, but my question to you is, you know, back to 
the that first point, right? What do we do with all of these? Connections I mean, I think it's I think people? it's happening how, already naturally because you, how you that look at the people that are attracted to the transferred into a they're just useful people, right? Mm, so I know like state or a useful proxy of that. How, like how, how do we turn the, this into to a conduit think, for positivity? I, uh, I think there was kind of a crisis of faith when PFPs really started to take off, and I think a lot of these communities mm. have kind of like found the yeah they're at the end of their line, perhaps. Um, and they're realizing that it's not mm -hmm. like so productive to be in New York, having these events, everybody flying in. Mm -hmm. uh, this is when like bear markets are nice. And in, <laughs> you know, yeah. as, as spring is springing and we're in this like summer moments right now. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it was it's just 84 like degrees in New York for those of you who for me, are not you know? aware. It's like um, sweltering. And, and you know how it, like, it's like, it, it was very sudden. It, it just it became wicked hot. Signaled um, that, like, the thing and so it makes it all the worse. It's continuing, sorry. Been here, but what is also increasingly surprising to note and see mm -hmm. and, like, recognize is that there really have been previously just small, very small pockets of people who cared about the intersection of art and technology right and that's something that Anne Spolter was saying on that panel you know something that she led um you know I was so bummed not to be able to to make like the Dimitri Cherniak and Helena Saren book signing um yeah. at Bitforms but there was a line around the block and you know he tweeted something like what is this is this like the next supreme drop and it's like, no, it's a, it's a generative art book, right? So if for nothing, for like art and technology to begin to find its place and to encourage more of these experimentations and yeah. like real life implementations and turning mm. what was previously extremely digital into physical and, and blending these things, it's, I, I think right now it's at like a really nice, healthy point again. Yeah, it's interesting to kind of be here because I, I feel the same way. I also feel like there's been a bit of a paradigm shift in terms of where crypto art is sitting in the larger like NFT world, cryptocurrency world kind of consciousness. Uh, I want to talk about this event specifically at more length, yeah. but you had mentioned the, the Now House event, which was this wonderful panel. Colborn was on it. Sure. Uh, Anne Spalter was on it. Um, you know, she, the artist and the incredible digital, um, you know, she has the greatest or one of the greatest collections of digital art in the world. Um Sophia Garcia was on it. Generative, generative, but I think all computer art. She's been collecting computer art since yeah. like the Solomon 80s. Solomon Lopez, Manuel Ross. It was not even institutionally and recognized. Meyer, um, and then Sophia Garcia was there of ArtX Code and, and IX Shells, the, the artist um, of, of great acclaim. Um, and, and it was a, a kind of a, a wonderful panel, like you said. Um, Solomon Lopez. Yeah, and, and it really was wonderful. Um, it was a large panel. There wasn't a lot of time. But one thing that I thought was interesting is that, and there was a Q&A section. This is kind of when it became apparent. <laughs> but the people there were not, the people in the audience were not all art, arts-based people, right? And their questions were often 
based on like market dynamics and merchandising and shit that nobody wants to talk about. Look, it's, it's least of it's all not artists going anywhere. But I think and, you know, it's interesting like, that they all nevertheless found their way to this art event. On so what do you just think that alone NFT says a dirty word? But it's not going kind of the changing perception people, of crypto art in the like, you know, greater on, in the streets. Like the I go to the frame shop and the six-year-old lady asks me what I do, mm. and I say, oh, you know, I work with digital art. She's like NFTs. I'm like, yeah, like so it's. It's like everywhere now. It's pervasive, and uh, even if people aren't selling right now, the, the mechanism and the means is here to stay, and it's mm -hmm. it has asserted its own validity uh, and created a wonderful new space for our artists, creatives mm -hmm. of all types to come and just experiment, um, and that feels really good. Like I'd never had any. Uh, doubt of myself leaving, right? But just like that, whatever it did, 10x, 100x, that that stuck. Mm -hmm. And now it's going to, you know, grow sustainably and attract more attention. And it's going to be without the hype and the fervor. And people are going to connect with art and artists that they like. And uh, hopefully, you know, over time, we will we'll navigate these these vicious cycles. But I guess more specifically, and, and I think, you know, I, I have my own perspective on it, which, uh, you know, I'll share afterwards, but, well, you know, why, I think, I think um, why now are, is a larger said it and crypto I world specifically, why are they, they now it, kind of it been trickling on that panel, in but just with their like attention to the importance this recognition world, culture, right? Is there something about right? what's being that done here that's inspiring or that's own, validating? Right? So it, it's, it brings incredible meaning and depth to things that are, very uh i find otherwise kind of stale um so the way these original philosophies get reinterpreted and the way that symbols are created i was you know what it was is i was having a conversation uh with sharon rabinowitz who is making a documentary on the crypto policy as like the original mm -hmm. matt and john film um and it's it's really just about storytelling and and how we share and spread these messages of what a new financial paradigm alternative architecture might mean and all the power that it can afford like sovereign individuals mm -hmm. who begin to take these technologies into their own hands mm-hmm Absolutely. Now, I also think this space is relatively heartening. I mean, I think the reason you and I are here and the reason we do this every week when we talk about this, and I think we've like, we've definitely doomsayed on this podcast specifically, but you know, the reason we keep doing the podcast is because like, uh, we both believe in what's being built here and what is, you know, what we see. And um, I think it was Ohms who said this um, on Twitter, but, you know, at, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, but you know, one thing you realize, and especially when you come to these conferences, is every person you meet is really pleasant to be around, right? It is a collection of good people. And, you know, I, I can't speak for the broader NFT space or for the broader like cryptocurrency space, but I know if I worked in a place where, you know, especially in the DeFi world or in, you know, this kind of investment crazy part of the NFT world, I'd probably be pretty bereft of 
genuine human contact with people I could trust. Um, just the nature of you know, putting money before everything else, I think is enervating in its own right. And I think not being able to know which of the people you've made connections with recently are going to abscond with you know, money or, or commit some light white collar crime. I think there's something heartening about this art space where people really just want to make artwork. You know, I like you go to the making it, there was a um, making it 24 seven at an exhibition in East Williamsburg. And it's just a bunch of young people with their artwork on walls and they're hanging out and they're laughing and they're drinking Mike's hard lemonades. And there's something I think that is just attractive to every single person about that. Just people being happy doing something that they love. And it's very basic sounding maybe. I, look, I was deep in like, 2017 ICO putting together investments like not knowing who to trust just throwing mm -hmm. money like at everything and it is tiresome right and you know there's scams left and right and things you thought were incredible that turned out to be and, but the people you can always come back and trust are are the artists right because yeah. if you have that creative I don't in, in, in like the, if you just have creative juice you know you share that and generally that does not go away um, so that is something generally you can get behind those people. You can trust their creative output. You can watch them grow in real time. Uh, and these are like wonderful stories and these, you know, these crypto art objects are wonderful things to kind of hold and align yourself with these creators on their journeys. I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly, but I think another side of the fact that there is some more kind of like widespread attention or adoption or interest in crypto art is that the interest has, I don't know, transferred, but I'm not sure that the lexicon or the ideology has. And again, talking about that event at, at Nowhouse, which I also want to shout out to uh, Jiayin Chen of Artnet, um, who has put together multiple awesome events. So um, she's wonderful. wonderful. Um, so yeah, yeah, incredible thinker and, and also an incredible panelist host. But regardless, the effect of having all of these non-crypto art people at this um, panel and then asking questions, um, as I think I mentioned to you afterwards, was all I wanted to do is ask a question about aesthetics. And all these people wanted to do was ask questions about royalties and marketing structures and historical artistic hierarchies. And all artists want to do, I think, you know, whether you're talking to them on a panel or talking to them in an interview is talk about their work um, and the actual art they're making. I think that inspires a larger question of like why can't crypto art still seem to refocus the artistry despite a seemingly universal desire on the part of the artists and the platform creators and the thinkers and the institutions to actually do so why is it proving still so hard to hammer that into people who are just kind of See, meandering and in? and that's the thing like it's uh it's it's i think it's an illusion Right. I think it's an illusion of being online and being subjected to the, this Twitter algorithm. You know, I think other people see people winning in different ways. Uh, but we've been in this now long enough to like know with what consistency like individuals are showing up and with mm -hmm. what consistency they're like committed to continue to showing up. And I think that yeah. really tied into a lot of people's like outrage at certain people like announcing that they are leaving the space, especially mm -hmm. when they're like anonymous, when, you know, they've come in, they've really like played with the, the, the Ponzi-nomics of it all. And then now, now they're leaving, like, of course, you know? So mm -hmm. it just, it signals intention and we're getting to 
like the bottom of like the long term who has the intent to like stick around and stay and grow it and build it. And those good people are finding each other. And I think we're all going to continue to be like wonderful representatives for each other knowing forward because we've built that like time and that trust. Sure. Speaking of being wonderful representatives on this panel, somebody had asked a question about like merchandising using blockchain or art. Anyways, it was a question you were not super thrilled to hear. And um, I believe you said something along the lines of, I do have an answer, but I don't want to be rude. So I'm not going to answer this question. I was wondering if you remember what you said and if this is a better opportunity for you to be rude. No, I was just much more interested in the question that came before it, Mm -hmm. right? Which was like, what do these, what value do these objects carry? Yeah. Um, And I thought that like, to kind of gloss over that in the idea of like, what does the IP mean? Well, like nobody really cares, you know, you're, you're talking to a bunch of artists about like IP and I just thought it was, I just thought it was a, a bad question. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kept yourself from being standoffish and, and maybe uh, angry or rude, but do you think that there's a place for being standoffish and maybe angry or rude within I mean, these like conversations? Yeah, I think just going back, I think, you know, I think there's very few people that actually genuinely speak their minds, right? I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of just like playing along and I get it, you know, artists are beholden to other people to like buy and the participatory nature. And, uh, you know, the reason I was attracted to this space originally when there was nothing was because people were making bold outlandish statements through their artwork. And that was very valuable to me, yeah. right? And that really resonated with things that, uh excited me around like original crypto philosophy and Mm. um you know it's it's i've said it before i'll say it again it's always two steps forward and one step back and people can only kind of take and adapt the mental model that they have in the position that they have and try and fit this new technology in and for a lot of people that is just like how do we commercialize how do we bring this into business development who knows what like major commercial entity they're working for everybody is like looking for a strategy you know that was is basically what nft nyc is selling these days is like how do we get brands onboarded and using these things and how do we go like up the corporate ladder that was of course always like the gary v approach you know how do we Mm -hmm. just like get brands in here and i just don't care right i don't care that's not interesting to me i want the artists on the furthest edge of the spectrum talking about like the most intense thing and putting a visual language to it that begins to relate and connect and spread this message virally. If I may, it kind of goes back to my like disdain for a lot of the, the greenwashing that I saw in investment strategies when I was doing like wealth management, right? And telling people that like, you know, your investment is like saving the planet when really they're just mm-hmm. building a, a portfolio that is like X alcohol, tobacco and firearms right but somehow like Mm -hmm. Raytheon doesn't really like fit in that mold you know so like a lot of this is just it's just marketing and you know the idea that there's new markets and everybody should be involved and then people getting paid to be like consultants and no actual substantive change is being made I'm not interested in like very slow incremental changing of this world the world is in desperate need for exponential solutions Right. So until everybody like gets off their ass and starts to be more like imaginative, more creative, more open to taking risks, Mm -hmm. um, then we're we're just kind of like 
stuck in quicksand. Yeah, interesting. I um I want to just switch gears slightly to talk about another um kind of larger trend that I had noticed. I'm not sure if you picked up on it as well, but it seems like there's been a larger attempt or a more comprehensive attempt at curation during this NFT at NYC. Um, whether that's like the curation in the Super Chief Gallery at the Oculus um, or uh, Proof of People uh, is having a couple day event with Refractions um, in Brooklyn, um, where there was like a, a real emphasis on generative art and on display and on curation of display. And you know they have like a big dome with projectors and really interesting um, attempts at innovative curation, right? But I think there's still a lot of ways to go. And I think one of the issues with curation at the moment is still that it's it's gate kept um and that i think that we still kind of point to certain experts and we say that they have you know based on their knowledge or their own experience kind of more of a claim to curate these events and, and things i think part of the and correct me if i'm wrong but part of the reason that we released rooms was we wanted to get more cur- curatorial responsibility and ability into people's hands um, because i think that just being in the space for however long a time, even if it's just a couple of months or even weeks, you become a really excellent aesthetic judge. Not to mention you probably have had a a love for art beforehand. So I think that this is a trend that's only going to continue because I keep having conversations about the importance of curation. The art is there, but I'm not sure that the curation is as creative and as thoughtful as it could be, even though it's on the way there. So my question to you, Mr. Coburn-Bell, is how do we empower individuals from different walks of life with different backgrounds to all like take control of their taste with confidence and then start the process of individually curating. Yeah. I mean, I think Sophia Garcia had a good point during that talk. Like I personally could never curate generative art in the way that generative art should be curated. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm largely unfamiliar with the history, although, you know, like I know the icons just through having been here, um, and I don't read the codes, right? So, so what good am I, you know? It's important yeah. that probably that a curator of generative art is going into the code base and understanding what the artists are doing and understanding literally how that code is affecting the output and mm-hmm. what variables are being manipulated, right? I can say, look, yeah. this, this looks beautiful. I think generative art in general, I think suffers from uh, that in, in that perhaps it is just like, you know, uh, there is a reason that abstract art gets such acclaim and high prices. And I think it kind of follows in that line because mm-hmm. it can be just like very beautiful pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, AI art as well. I've kind of been going, uh, you know, on, on the same thing. Is, is it like enough to just be a prompt engineer or do you need to go in there and like write your own code or do you, just need to be on the latest trend, like producing the thing and minting it first. I don't particularly know what is valuable there and I wouldn't want to be curating there. None of that really relates to your question. Other, (laughs) I I mean, other than to say, I think there is a time and a place for curation. And then there is also, you know, a time and a place for people to really stand behind what they like. Maybe it's the story of an artist. Maybe it is some, like visual language that an artist is like creating and propagating. And I just think, I but think, it, but it's, it's different approaches though. Right. I think that yeah. there's, I think that there is totally valid, purely aesthetic curation. And then there's really important contextual, you know, in the generative art example, um, 
I think I think it's it would be necessary, vital for certain kinds of curation to have a basis in the code and be able to explain that with the full context. But I'm not sure that that's exclusively the only kind of creation that is is worthwhile. Um, you know, I almost think about it like playlist creation, right? Like I can't play an instrument, but I know what I like. Mm. Um, and you can make a playlist of artists who are going to be demonstrating some kind of like music theory that I can't access, but it's just different approaches to the same thing. Right. But I think that that your taste gloms onto whatever attracts you based on the knowledge base you already have. Right. I think that's why I love the idea of room so much is because you can kind of be changing your curation moment to moment based on your expanding knowledge base. But yeah, I just, I'm sorry. Well, I, I think there is also an incredible artistry and curation, right? Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that it doesn't pay, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and largely it's pretty thankless and uh, like good music at a party, uh, good curation kind of just like fades into the background and feels right. Yeah, but like, it's like the equivalent of a DJ, right? Like that's what a, a curator is in theory, right? It's like, it, it is the, the underlying beat or pulse of some kind of gathering. It's just yeah. not for music, it's for. Well, and Julian, Julian talked about this at the event we did in Argentina, they hired somebody to do the lights, right? And mm -hmm. like good curation of light, you don't notice because you just like presume that this is how it, it should be because it's so wonderful. Yeah. That was a big restaurant thing. I, I had a, a director of operations at a restaurant once, and he said the three things that should always be thought about by you and never thought about by the guests are music, lights, and temperature. Yeah. Like they should all be perfect, but all of that requires effort, right? Yeah. What's playing? How loud? Um, you know, how does it feel in the room? It's, I, I do think it's really interesting to, to think about and really important. Um, but I think like, what if we took the resources that we are putting towards 30 seconds of billboard time at Times Square and put them towards like thoughtful curation and what kinds of much more meaningful events could be thrown? What kind of more meaningful experiences for artists and, and more meaningful for their art, right? Places where people are going to have so much more of an ability to connect with people's work because they're seeing it for longer. They're seeing it within some kind of a larger context that then they can codify within themselves. That seems like it's such, I know it's way more effort uh, and it requires so much more confidence and probably education and, and forethought but that seems like it has to be the next frontier. Um, yeah. Right? Well, you know, it's, I, I'll tell you like uh, there, maybe this was pioneered in Miami. It was certainly like done expertly well in Miami, um, but real estate developers figured out, right. That if you invite like artists in to kind of make a space, then it adds tremendous value to the real estate. And I, mm -hmm. I always go back to this one example of whatever that like, giant tower that they're building on central park south oh yeah the ugly one that's like it's a like yeah a you finger. know like when nfts were really taken off that guy announced like we're putting in the first nft museum into this building and it's going to be like <laughs> on all the screens and you know like so whatever is kind of like hot and of the moment real estate developers have always used so i just to say like don't doubt that there aren't like already existing relationships between whoever owns the billboard and whoever owns the building and trying to like pass it down as being cool to try and increase its value. But I think that comes back to the confidence, right? The confidence from the ground up of this is how we want our art displayed. 
or even more powerfully, this is how our, our art must be displayed for the sake of the art itself. It's just, you, I, you, I don't think you can have a, a great relationship with anything that you see haphazardly on the street. You can take note, but unless it's, I don't know, usually kind of revolting, it's not going to like sit in your psyche for very long, for better or for worse. Yeah, I, do, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I, I think some of the most interesting things that I've seen have been like from the street, you know. And I love sure, taking yeah. pictures of like, I don't know, things on things on the streets. It's maybe more so than like going into a museum, but maybe that's just me. Like, no, maybe I, I spoke too soon because now I'm thinking about like the you know the gorilla girls and um, yeah, the women after being naked to get into the Met, all the the billboards around New York for that, and so maybe I, I'm speaking out like of turn. Public space, you know. And, and the idea of Twitter as like a communal public forum and how do we bring art into like digital public spaces? That was the goal of the museum in the beginning was like, here is this wide open new expanse. Mm -hmm. A thousand people are going to try and commercialize it. Why don't we try and beautify it? Well, the, the very name of our museum in the metaverse is Agora, which is the name yeah. of like the Roman meeting place, right? Bring art to public spaces but also know that those public spaces have their own context, right? And that like the way that the art exists yeah. in that public space is also highly dependent on, on the context of that public space. And I just yeah, think absolutely. Times Square is not the context that you want, mm -hmm. but maybe you don't have, maybe we have exported a different context of what Times Square means, right? And people Perhaps. haven't like been there. Uh, mm -hmm. So we, we go back to like this, ongoing thing of what is substantive what is reality and what is like the marketed illusion of what the thing is it's fascinating i don't have an answer for you right now <laughs> which is the mean, difference I, between those things it's a lot yeah, to unpack you know there was uh this there's this guy vandalo ruins who brought to nft paris the after party like a micro projector and was like displaying, you know, Robness's burnt punk and going through like X copy. Like, how cool is that? That you can just mm -hmm. have a projector connected to your phone, put whatever art you want it, and then put it like 20 feet on any wall that you're at. Um, yeah. That's cool to me. Like reappropriating uh, space for the, the context, trying to just like make it, make it yours. So and maybe the issue that I'm feeling is that it's, we're not meeting the space halfway or the art isn't meeting the space halfway. The art is, you know, contorting itself for the sake of entering into this new context. And I think losing its own context in that point, because something like that mini projector, that seems like such a, there's, there's innovation in the art as there always is. And then there's innovation in the context as it's relating to that art. And that place in the middle is somehow enriched by both. Um, and I guess I find nothing super enriching about, and this is just me personally, and I don't want to like, I'm, I'm just a, I'm just a man with a microphone, <laughs> uh, you know, but there's nothing particularly enriching about the Times Square displays and, and these, again, very transient displays that for the most part outside of, you know, the very niche community who's going to go look, take a picture and send to their artist friend whose work is up there. People are going to look and people are going to look away because they're so used to that being an advertisement space because yeah. um, it's 99 and a half percent of the time an advertisement space. And so everything that goes on it is infected by 
the fact that this is the nature of the space it's on. Look, just, just ask yourself, would you show your art in an M&M store? Would you show your art at a TGI Fridays? Like, would you show your art in Margaritaville? You know, Applebee's like, maybe. App- <laughs> exactly. Like what? Like what? So I don't know. Like, it's cool. Whatever. If, if people get excited about that, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, and if people are putting that work for free on that space, that's yeah, cool fair. too. But like, uh, you know, somebody, something went pretty viral. It's like pay a thousand, two hundred and fifty dollars to have your artwork shown. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, like, come on. Mm. It's like, um, it's like impressions, I think on social media. It's like this totally arbitrary metric of just people like encountering your your tweet or your idea and but it, it doesn't matter you get five million impressions who cares it, it doesn't yeah. actually mean anything what kind of tangible effect does that have um right. like walking past a brand at the supermarket yeah i don't know if that like random person from wherever taking their family to like mama mia is going to like <laughs> look up and like see this art and be like wow like who is this artist like you know like and turn around and it, it it just fades to noise, you know? It is no different than every other flashing, terrible pixel, commercialized, anything, advertising thrown in your face on a daily basis. To me, Times Square is dead. I, I hope this, like, vision of, again, what did, what did he say? It was so good. The soulless plastic centerpiece of global consumerism. Like, mm. the idea was to move away from this, right? That's mm. what crypto's about that's what crypto art for me is about um god i wish i could write sentences like that <laughs> i know i know, I know. everybody is everybody on the team is so so incredible yeah um well as always you know we're finishing it up on a positive note um any other kind of trends or anything you want to just mention that you noticed from your time in new york no i think i think we crushed it like you know that that was my point like everybody's friends now and we're good people and we should be working with more intentionality and we need to slow down and mm. we need to like pick actually like what our events are, what the artist events are. I'm very interested in doing programming like around alternative conferencing to NFT NYC if people still plan on coming. Yeah, strategy. Now we have to start being intentional. Ugh. Yeah, I know. But wow. good, art, good art is all about intentions. Good art is all about intentions. Well said. Yeah. Well I don't know. I always speak in these sweeping generalizations. And yeah, then exactly. You're usually the one who's like, actually, you're full of shit, Max. You don't know anything. <laughs> um, more or importantly la- than, oh, sorry. Or lack saying? of intentions. Yeah, or lack of intentions. But an extreme on either side is necessary. I like that. Um, the NBA playoffs do begin on Saturday. Uh, for anyone listening, the Boston Celtics do play at 3.30 p.m. EST. Um, I would love more Boston Celtics chatter on Twitter in my world. So um, if you care about basketball at all, this is my plea that you hit me up on Twitter, my DMs or anywhere else. Cause you know, if I have to transition my crypto art Twitter into, you know, a half crypto art, half like basketball takes, like I wouldn't hate it, but we'll see. Coburn, who you got Celtics or Hawks 3.30 PM. That's did time, did the that? Lakers win in? The did Lakers they? did win in. They're in. They play, they're... they play the Grizzlies on Sunday. Wow. Yeah, congratulations. Uh, who do I have? I, I, don't, I don't care. I'll stand the Celtics with you. It was nice for you. We had like three weeks where I didn't ask you about the Celtics. And now we're back, <laughs> baby. <laughs> do I like the Hawks? I kind of like the Hawks, too. I don't know. I don't really care. I haven't really been watching this yet. Wait till we lose a playoff game, and then I show up to one of these podcasts just absolutely <laughs> fucking distraught. Yeah, exactly.
Well, Coburn, a pleasure as always. We'll be back next week talking about NFT NYC from a kind of retrospective uh, perspective. Um, have an awesome time at the church this weekend, Coburn, and we will catch up shortly. See you, bud. Thanks for everything. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And if you're at the conference, please enjoy and be safe. Bye. Bye.